Hey, welcome to my podcast. Well, thank you. How's it feel to be part of the good old days? I think we have no choice. Each of us becomes part of the good old days at some point in life. <laughs> the death and taxes, and eventually you're going to be in good old days. Well, yeah, I guess so. So, you know, here's my theory, Ray, about the pandemic is it's basically just given us all uh, an opportunity to show off bookshelves and books that we have that we never, ever read. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> look, look here. <laughs> Those yours, are all my yours, life. Yours looks well used, along with your, your uh, Indiana Jones hat. Oh, thank you. Those are all my wife's cookbooks. Oh, okay. That's why I'm about uh, 25 pounds uh, heavier than I was when I left the industry. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the thing that I noticed when I retired was that I gained weight rapidly. You weren't out beating the streets for stories. Mm, or being nervous worrying about them. That's true. <laughs> yes, sir. Fill the hole every day. No kidding. Uh, hey, well, the best place to start. First of all, here's my gig, Ray, is I don't do any research, and I'm just asking questions off the top of my head. So, Oh, that's okay. Are, are you a native Oregonian? Where'd you come from, sir? I was born in Cedro Woolley, Washington, up near in Skagit County. Yes. And uh, we left there when uh, I was nine years old. Uh, yeah, 70 years ago. Went down to Pendleton. My dad worked for the Soil Conservation Service, and he was assigned to go over to a flood control project in Pendleton, Oregon. So we lived there for two years and then came to Gresham area. Okay. Uh, and then uh, what's your, where'd you go away to school? BYU, Provo, Utah. Okay. And did you major in journalism? Well, I started out in pre-med. And then I left to fulfill a to fill a church service mission, a church mission. Right. And I was over in I was over in Sweden for two and a half years, and when I came back from there, I decided I don't know, that's going to take forever, and I don't want to spend all my time in a doctor's cubicle, you know, type of thing. So uh, when I was in high school, I had a a, a, a uh, Ruth Henderson, who was the biology teacher. She's, she wrote on my reports when I'd hand in, she said, you ought to go into writing, which meant probably she was being kind of said, you are too dumb to go into science, you see. So, no, no, no. So do the other. And so she, so I thought, she knew. Well, and so I, I, uh, I got back from uh, Sweden and started saying, I said, well, what do I really want to do? And I thought, I thought, how can I write and earn money? And in the mid 60s, this was 1964. And so in 1964, I thought, where is the, what's growing, see? Mm -hmm. And TV news was really booming in, in the 60s. I thought, maybe I can luck out and get a job. And so I went into uh, what was then becoming the in vogue uh, communications. Sure. I got one of those degrees. <laughs> yeah, right. What do you do with that? And uh, when I graduated, I didn't want to have to look for work, so I went to grad school back at Syracuse, New York. Ah, good school. They had a, they had a 15, or I guess it was a 12 month program. And uh, I was, uh, I finished there and before I left there, I'd put out feelers. I'd written, you know, you send out resumes as many as you can afford and send out resumes to every TV station in Oregon and Washington and Idaho and Montana and Wyoming. 
And uh, you can see I didn't hit any big markets really. <laughs> and, uh, and I heard back from three different places and two of them said they wanted people right away. And I was sending them out in June and that was, you know, I wasn't finishing up until August. But I got one from Idaho Falls, Idaho. And they said, we're, we're losing Norm Gunning. <laughs> You, oh. Norm, you know Norm Gunning. No, no, Norm well. Doesn't everybody who ever worked in TV in Portland? I, I think so. And anyway, he was going, he was finishing up at Idaho State University in Pocatello and was heading into the air, I think it was the Air Force. And uh, so I came in in September and took his place and he went off to the military. And and two other people you will, well, two other people you will know right away was uh, Don Butler. Do you remember him? I don't. Don Butler um, was the assistant news director, and he, and uh, Craig Coolman was there. They're both Washington State grads. Okay, a little bit ahead of my time, but yeah, okay. everybody's ahead of your time, young man. And uh, and Don Butler eventually, well, Floyd Smith worked at KID where I was, where we worked while I was there, and then Tana Lang Myers. Yeah came in after I left and worked there. So Don Butler went off to with the uh, 116th Idaho National Guard to Vietnam for a year when they were called up. And he came back and went, came to work at KOIN. So he was the first one. And then Craig Kuhlman, who by then was news director, he, a few years later, he went, he went over to uh, KOIN. And then an opening came and I followed to KOI, and you see, it's, it's, it's who you know. Yeah, well, I learned and, that a lot. There are many of my uh, former colleagues, when we find out how they got to Portland, the, the list of who they know and who they followed yeah. is really a who's who's list. Um, so I got to stop you for a second, Ray, because I think, uh, I, I think there was a, a, a big, uh, it, it should have been, you, you should have been a doctor, because if I was dying of cancer, I would want your voice to be the one telling me so because it, it would be so soothing. And, you know, as bad as the news was, it probably I would have been able to take it. OK, if it was Ray Summers. I see. Telling me that I had cancer. Yeah, you will enjoy death. Yes. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. OK. So what, what about was uh, uh, when did you get to coin then in the 70s? Right. Uh, I started at KID in 67 and then moved over here in 73. All right. Right there after Mr. Donahue did too, right? Uh, Donahue, yes, he came back from the military. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and was uh, I think KOIN had a radio station then too. Were you just strictly on the TV side? Uh, yeah, yeah, we were pretty well differentiated. The uh, you had uh, some people had a shift that went into. I'd done radio and television in Idaho Falls, but um, when I came here, I was strictly television. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how oh, yeah. much how much hard news did you cover while you were starting out as a cub reporter at KYN? Well, as little as I could get away with. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting because I came over here to cover City Hall and uh, Multnomah County. And I did that. I came in March of 73 and I went on my first travels in June. I think it was June or July of 73. When I came over, uh, Armstrong was uh, was the uh, news director, and then uh, Ted Bryant. A few months later, Ted Bryant took over as news director. 
So and Ted called me in one day and said, uh, gee, Willikers, uh, maybe you'd like to do something like this, go around and do that. I said, well, let me think about that. <laughs> and so I started doing them in 73 and, and did about two or three that, that fall. And they'd be combined with other stories. Like they, we went on a road trip with Rex Pruitt, a good old boy photographer, uh, down to Coos Bay. And the purpose of the trip was to meet up with, um, oh my gosh, I sh should have written it down. The longshoreman had uh, the famous guy that was head of the longshoreman for decades, led the riots and all this type of stuff. Anyway, he was speaking to longshoremen down there. So we went down and did a story with him and then did feature stories along with it type of mm -hmm. thing. But So you were famous for Ray Summers at large, right? Uh, well, I, I... When did that come around, the title? Well, Ted Bryant said after a year of that, we, we need to come up with a name. He said, how about at large? I said, I hate it. So he, as any good news director would say, well, you come up with a better name. Uh-huh. And as you see, I couldn't come up with a better name. So. You couldn't come up with uh, Ray Summers at Bay? Well, or, I don't know. Or Ray, Ray Summers on the Lamb? Or is it Summers Somewhere. Summers. That's a good one. I like that yeah. one. Uh, well, obviously, you enjoyed that part of storytelling because you did it and did it well for decades. We It was, uh, well, it would have been 31 years almost. Hmm. For the major part of my work yeah except yeah so that's a lot of stories yeah luckily i don't remember many of them uh how much did you do um uh, you know so you're going to coos bay you got a story to cover uh, how much did you just stumble across and how much did you know was coming when you took the trip well what as as it built up over the years what i would do they allowed me to subscribe to many small town newspapers. Sure, okay. And and, and along with Eugene Register Guard, you know, and so you'd you'd go through them, they'd pile up on the desk until they fell off, and then I decided I'd better clip them. So I'd, I'd run, quickly spin through them and find anything that intrigued me. I'd put into a file for each of the counties. Okay. And then when then when we'd head out, I had this silly notion that. Uh, People got nervous if you line stuff up in advance. They would worry about it. Mm -hmm. And so we'd just head out and we'd pull out, well, here's something we could try. And we'd look them up. And sometimes we didn't get it. And other times we did, you know, type of thing. But uh, it was pretty haphazard, I, I must admit. Can you think of uh, the, the best time that you just accidentally serendipitous fell into the good story? Oh, there were so many of those. I don't know, but but, um, but there was a time. Do you remember Steve Gosson? Oh, yes. He, he worked at eight. Oh, yeah. He, he, he wonderful photographer. Just a wonderful photographer. We, we'd stop to get gas. We'd ask the gas station attendant. And out on the coast one time, they said, well, there's a guy down here. I forget what town we were in. But he said, uh, he said it's, uh, he's an inventor of something. I'm not certain what, but he's inventing things. Mm -hmm. So we, we followed his directions and got down into the where he was and located him. And he said, "Yeah." And so it was a he was he was going to generate electricity by wave motion. 
And so we did a story with him. It was, it was very, very good. Yeah, I, mean, I enjoyed it. And he, and he was ahead of his time because major universities are trying that right now in their research. Well, yeah, yeah. They're, and some people are being successful. And I think he was probably successful. But yeah, it's just a guy who had a brainstorm and he wanted to prove that he could do it. So, Well, that's a great lesson for uh, you know reporters is you never know where that next great story is going to come from. Yeah, there were times when Steve would go down one side of the street, we'd go into every store. And then we'd get down to the end of the block, which is usually at the outskirts of town, at the places we'd stop. And uh, he would, uh, we'd compare notes. Yeah. And then we'd say, let's try this one, you know, type of thing. So it was just talk to people. I remember answering the phone once uh, and just a guy and he just, you know, I, I had, it was, I was in the sports department back then. Yeah. And, and I don't know if this is a story or not, but, but my buddy and I, we're the, we're the biggest little league coaches in all the land. And I, and I kind of went, what? And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm 270 and my buddy goes about 300. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just pictured the juxtaposition of these huge men and these yeah. little tiny kids playing baseball. That was a story. You know, I got, a, you know, one of our wonderful photographers, I can't remember who, started thinking visually about it. And so not only did we have this great visual story of these big guys teaching little kids baseball, but they also had these great big hearts. And, yeah. you know, and so it, it, it wrote itself. And But if I don't answer that phone call and don't go along with the gig, I, I miss out on what was a wonderful story. Yeah, Art Wright and I, have you talked with Art Wright yet? Mm. No, sir. Art Wright taught college before he came over to KOI and he was at Idaho State and taught over there photography and he came over and he was just a joy to be with and we were where were we we were somewhere over in eastern Washington I think and uh, I was looking through an evening newspaper and and uh, saw that whoa there's going to be a uh, Native American dance contest over in big hole battlefield in Montana so I, I, I rang him. I said, hey, you know, are you ready? Are you willing to get up early and we'll get over there? He said, sure. So we got up early and, and went across the uh, pass there into Montana through, through Idaho. And uh, he got pulled over for speeding. But the guy, we told him what we were doing. He said, oh, okay, go ahead. And, <laughs> and we got down there in time, spent the day with him and had a, had a great time with this with a you know so it was you never knew where you were going to end up yeah awesome and, and you mentioned you know some of the photographers you've worked with uh, you know i know for anything that i did successful it, it wasn't without a great photographer with a great mind for pictures and for storytelling and i know that was the case for you as well oh oh yeah my job when we were out all i was supposed to do was keep my mouth shut and uh carry the tripod and stay out of the shot yeah, stay out. if they got thirsty, use handhold the microphone out of a shot if I could, you know, the shotgun mic, and uh, get in drinks if he needed it, and uh, uh, just and and keep track. And if I saw something happening out of his, because he always had his eye up the viewfinder, if I saw something happening out of the side, sidle up to him and say, well, "Look to your left, look to your left," you know, <laughs> and and uh, and then and then then the other thing was to. Uh, when I got back, look at the video, see what was available, and write to the video. Don't write to something I think should be there but wasn't there. Yeah, writing to the video is the key to really good storytelling. 
I was I was really good at staying out of the shot, you know, because they would move and I would always be walking around their backside or or sometimes trying to protect them from what might hit them from the blind side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that was that was true, too. Yeah, very much so. Protect them, whatever you could. The uh, people would say, uh, we, we never see you. And my thought was, why should you? The person's the story yeah. the other, or whatever's going on. And uh, but they then they'd say, well, I recognize your voice. Yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, I one of the, um, the the traits of your stories is you were not a stand-up guy. We did not see, even though you were traveling long places, it was rarely that we saw you in front of the camera. Right. If it, I mean, if there was something that that caught our imagination mm -hmm. and and did. Uh, and it was it was necessary, you know. Uh, yeah, I did. I, it wasn't comfortable. Why? Why do it? You see, uh, you see uh, reporters all the time. You don't need to see me. Yeah. Uh, well, there was all the stand-up always had a few. There were some redeeming qualities of the stand-up. If the station paid to send you far away, they wanted to prove it by seeing you in front of the camera. Uh, oh. You know, if if you know, I traveled a lot when I was a sports reporter, you know, if we were down covering the Blazers in a, a playoff games in Los Angeles, even if it wasn't necessary for the story, they wanted to see your butt in front of the camera so they could prove that they paid to send you yeah. down there. Well, the difference, the difference, Carl, is you're good looking, see, and I wasn't, so they never suggested that to me. Mm. There were times, you know, Roger Thompson and I did a story one time about underwater monopoly in the swimming pool out at Jensen Beach, uh, one of the... Uh, hotels out there and so that put me under there but the funny thing about that okay Wait a minute. did we see you in a swimsuit in a pool right no 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 i wore a it was back in the days in which it was about 1976 before roger left to go to kgw and at 1976 because um but it was it was the day of the uh what was the fabric that that you could get wet and it didn't do anything i mean it always maintained the shape Spandex or a little no, spandex. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, it, it was the old school stuff. And so no, I I I had a suit, I have this sports coat and a and pants and a uh, a shirt and tie. Uh-huh. And so they went they were under the water and everything, and we did a lead-in of me looking at them, you know, type of thing and peering at them. Then I buttoned my jacket and walked down into the pool, straight down, kept going until my head went underwater, you know. And then, 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 then I had a air tank and and a breathing mask. But we, the, the, he'd signal me because he had an underwater housing for a camera. Sure. He'd signal me when he was ready, and I would take the breathing mask out and tuck it behind me, and then look like I was just, uh, just observing the game, you know, type of going on underwater monopoly. Okay, you know, type of thing. And then, then when he was through, he'd, I'd put it back in my mouth and breathe for a bit, and then we'd do something else, you know, type of thing. And then afterwards, for the closing, I came up out of the water with a piece of PVC and a windscreen and a logo on it, and 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 then we dubbed it in later. My large, you know, type of thing. I Oh, great creativity! I remember Roger Thompson. Yeah, uh, we, he he he, did, he went to Channel Eight after six, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually did a story on me when I was in high school. When uh. My brother and I uh, took a trip in, a in the summer of 77 where we went around the country and saw a baseball game in every park oh, okay. in a month yeah, yeah. Uh, with my dad. And when we got back, 
uh, they did a story on us for Good Evening with Dick Klinger. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and Roger Thompson was the photographer on it. Uh, and I don't know why I remember that name, but name, but you know, seven, eight, nine years later, when I'm working in the industry, and I run into Roger Thompson, I said, "Hey, you did a story on me a long time ago." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, my, I, uh, Dick Klinger was really nice because we told him I was interested in getting into the business. He invited us over to watch them tape the show. Ah. Uh, and I got to meet Robin Chapman. And that was a oh, big deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's for sure. Back <laughs> in 1964, uh, Christmas time of my junior year in college, I, I, I spent a day with Chuck Foster at KOIN. And it was interesting to compare it to when I came there uh, well, nine years later and the, the growth that had happened. We were still up on the third floor of what had used to be a very inexpensive hotel, you know, downtown Portland. And... Um, the studio was a was downstairs was a the old restaurant portion but anyway uh and where i my desk was in the corner that was the entire newsroom there were two desks three desks and a film changing room you know type of thing to yeah dark room for to take the film out of the camera and load it in the cans and pass it on to the processors so you know it was it's funny how you get to do those types of things yeah, you were in that transfer from the film days to the video days. That yeah, made things a lot different, didn't it? Oh, and I was so sad when I felt so bad when film was going out. I thought, oh my, we're going to lose that texture, that that because the the video looked too real. It looked too lifelike, and mm -hmm. I liked the dreamy quality of the other. So, and when I got to Channel Eight in um, uh, summer of '82 was my internship. Uh, they they made the complete transfer to tape and, and they used to keep file tapes of all the stories and they were on like tape number 200 uh, hour long tapes. And I, you know, when I left the last tape there, it was like 8,000 or something like oh, that. Yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> they needed a new room. Yeah. 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 Well, we had a, luckily in what, 82 or three, we went to a new build, the new building type of yeah. thing. So they had a film storage room, but they've outgrown that. Uh, so I, I went into the news department, mostly doing feature stories. So we ended up seeing each other a lot of places out there in the field. We were often working on the same story of the day if there was something goofy going on. Yeah, we, we did occasionally. There was a, we had one get together, not with, you weren't a long course then, but it was, uh, Pat, uh, Wilkins. From Pat Wilkins, yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, Channel 8, I think we had, uh, I think it was still uh, Tuttle, John, John Tuttle. Tuttle. Yes. And we had lunch together. <laughs> I learned from Tuttle, don't talk when you're a group, because uh, he, he, he didn't talk too much to us. No. He was, he was great with words. Oh, what a wonderful writer he was. Jiminy. Oh, yeah. We lost him way too soon. He was, oh. uh, I, I feel that uh, uh, a lot of people, you know, talk about who influenced you and, and John certainly did uh, especially even when I was a sports reporter just watching his stuff and and the way he worked with photographers like Milt Ritter and people like that but you know I said I grew up watching John Tuttle and Ray Summers and Pat Wilkins and if if I'm any good at this it's because I paid attention to what they did well you know the funny thing I you talking about other people the the night that the that that underwater monopoly aired uh-huh I'm at the station and the phone rings and I pick it up. Hello, Ray. Uh, this is Charles Corral. 
I, I'm down at the Oregon coast. He was, he was doing the series where he did for once a week, he'd be in a different state for the yeah. entire year. And he would happen to be in Oregon. He says, yeah, uh, oh, Izzy, Izzy Blackman, his photographer. He said, we were sitting in our motel room watching the, the newscast and he said, uh, uh, Izzy said, he's gonna, he's gonna walk into the water. <laughs> and, and said, I said, no, no, he's not going to do that. I said, oh, how it was downright embarrassing. They came in the next day and uh, and visited us in person, but it was it was it was kind of embarrassing because he was not a reporter involvement type of guy. And well, uh, you have been uh, favorably compared to Charles Corralt. You know, you just did yours here in Oregon. He went a little farther around the country, but. Uh, you uh, you are as distinguished as he. Uh, the nice the nice thing about retiring is people don't remember you, and and that's 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 you know it's kind of nice not to have to worry about that. Oh, um, so you retired, and what have you been doing? What have you been doing since then? Nothing. You and Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we've we've done a lot of we. Five years ago, six years ago, we started traveling. Good. Bit, and we've been to uh, Europe three times and sat around South America and over to China. Came back from China two months before COVID. Good timing. Yeah, yeah we got out, out of there just in the right amount of time. And we'd have gone somewhere this this past year, but we didn't. So, so we soaked our money into renovating the house getting ready to who, who knows what. So while you're out there traveling, does that storytelling Ray Summers in the back of your brain just click and you see something and you just say, I wish Steve Gossin was here. We would crank that puppy out for the five o'clock news. Oh yeah, I, I'd say that, but, um, but I don't really want to. Uh, I'd rather just sit and watch. That's the one thing I really do enjoy. And, and people, family members tease me because I just like to sit on a bench in the central plaza and watch what the town is doing. That's I'm happy that way. And, and you write a wonderful story in your brain and you save it for yourself. Yeah, I may talk. In fact, I may talk to myself about it, you know, <laughs> as if I were narrating. So when you were, uh, uh, you know, when you were doing your stuff, your features mostly, uh, and, and every once in a while, you, they if you were the camera out there, they'd send you to the news story, right? I mean, a hard news story. Well, luckily... <laughs> If, if, you, if it were fire season, you went to parts of the state in which there were no forests. So you <laughs> learned that early on. We were, we were in, uh, when the ship went aground down there by Coos Bay. New Carissa. Thank you. Uh, when we, were, we were over in Harney County. It's a long way to the beach. Yeah. Tough to or, get there for a deadline. Yeah. Or you'd be in Wa uh, Wallowa, you know, area, county, Wallowa County up in the northeast. And the news director called and said, hey, we want you to be on the talk show we're taping tomorrow. I said, gee, many Christmas, it'll take me all day tomorrow to get there. Yeah. So you'd get you out of that. The, uh, the other thing that I, I want to point out, best thing about the time that I worked, they could not reach out and get you. You didn't have a pager or a cell phone. <laughs> well, we, had, we, we were given pagers soon after I got here. But out of town... Work. They didn't work. They had not a wide grid. It was just the metropolitan area. Yeah. So you'd get past Hood River and you were free. Beyond <laughs> Bend, they couldn't, they couldn't reach you. I, we called in every morning and night to the sure. assignment desk. Mm -hmm. And that was the that was the most the worst 
time because some of them didn't really want you out there, the assignment people. They wanted you under their control. Yeah, you had a camera and they couldn't use it. You had a resource. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so did this, did this ever happen to you? I, um, uh, I, you know, Jim Little, I love him. Uh, he was there when I, uh, you know, first started out in sports and was around long enough to when I shifted over to news, is that he would, um, his description of the end of our newscast was the second half hour was headlines, weather, sports, and Carl Click. You know, because okay. so, I would always have the kicker um, or not always, but often would have the kicker um, to the end of the newscast. Then sometimes you would work on a series of stories for the sweeps. You know, you'd have a three or four part series that you would be given time to work on and they'd be pre-produced. And that was going to be a major story that they would be able to promote. So I, I did that every once in a while. So there was one newscast where one day where I got sent out, and did my feature. So that was the end of the newscast. I had already pre-produced the the uh, the series that was going to go in the middle, and but late in the day, uh, there was some breaking news, and they had to send me out. So I was live at the top of the show with the breaking news. So we called that the trifecta. Was oh, where yeah. You, yeah, yeah, the breaking news at the top, the the series stories in the middle, and the kicker at the end. It was the Carl Click Hour. What the heck? <laughs> Almost, yeah. You had the anchors looking over their shoulder. They were worried that you were coming after them. Yeah, that was never ever. That was never ever a possibility at nighttime. I found my I found my home in the mornings. It it is the thing that, as as technology improved, the nice thing is when you went out on the road for a week, you didn't turn the story that night and feed it back. Yeah, and and that was good because I swear that as you slept or as you thought about the stories that you had filmed and stuff. They ran in the back of your mind and you, you considered them so that when you got back, you kind of had a good idea as to what you were going to do with them. And, and uh, so I think, I think let it, letting it percolate a bit. Exactly, yeah. Was, was, was a good thing. And then as technology came and you'd be in a sack truck somewhere and feed back and have to, have to turn it really fast. And they'd be having some other reporter there too feeding a hard news story and you'd be fighting over editing space you wouldn't really be able to log the video. You had to use the camera to play the video back and log it. It was a really a mental mental journey that my mind was not up for. Yeah, it, it was not uh, gentle on the storytelling no. uh, fiber that you need sometimes needed, as you said, to percolate to get everything out of it. You know, those when you're working with those great photographers and editors, giving them time to massage it, uh, it whatever you've done writing. Uh, they're going to make it better if you give them the time to work with it. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so that was another thing. They always say, you've got, when you're in town, you've got to take a lunch hour if you were sent out in the morning. Because you were they'd always use you if you were there in the town. But you're also supposed to be writing those road trip stories so that they'd be available when you were gone the next time, you know, to drop in whenever they needed them. And and so you, you do a local and then somebody might be working or might not be working on the one, you know, but then you'd come back from that and they say, you need to take a lunch. I said, I can't because you get back. You don't know what's going to happen afterward. You need to turn that story as fast as you can to give the editor time to work on it. And then I'd have lunch at 4.30, something like that. But uh, anyway. It was yeah, we had the same thing because of the, the unions uh, required that, which was you know fair in the contracts. But uh, there was no such thing as a lunch yeah. uh, in, in TV news. It was basically you're just, you know, 
If I had a lunch, which I never did, I was at my desk eating my lunch while I was writing that story and using that extra time to make it better. Yeah, well, I was I was happier if I got the story done and then ate <laughs> before I got on Max to come home, you know, type of thing. Uh, so what do you use for creative outlets now, my friend, besides just uh, watching people? No, well, no, I am. Uh, I would, no, Renee would kill me. I have, I, I'm really into genealogy, I have family histories type okay. of stuff. And so, so I spend my time, you know, this is a photo of my grandfather and all the siblings. And, and so I get, I scan these, I've got two scanners and I, Topping them off so the next generation will have them all identified and, and tracked down and, and stuff. So I've probably gone, got maybe 5,000 photographs. Hey, way to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, the wise words of John Tuttle, he always told us, if, if you were smart enough to sit down and talk with him, that the stories we were doing today were not just for the five o'clock audience. They were for people down the road who would find them and watch them you know, either in the newsroom archives or at the Oregon Historical Society. Yeah. You're, you're kind of still doing that. You're still kind of a historian now just for your family, right? Yeah. And I was always glad when they shipped the film reels off to the Historical Society because they'll at least preserve them. Yes. If you leave them at a station and they change ownership, they'll clean the, they, we need that room into the trash. We, and that we, has happened, my friend. That has happened, oh, unfortunately. Well, they they cleaned out at the, the old station that we were at in, in the 70s. They, they moved in there in 53 when they opened the KOIN, and they left there in 83, so 30 years, which I thought was a horrendous long time. Uh, they had a storage area up behind the studio they called the, the barn, and they just, one day, it just all got thrown into a dumpster. Mm. all these artifacts but luckily i grabbed mr duffy's costume the, the ringmaster frank uh, kincaid had been in the 50s and 60s for cartoon circus yeah and somebody else grabbed the table that had been from the high neighbor where they had the, the guests etch their names into the table and all that type of stuff yeah i i know there was an uproar at eight at some point uh a news director was trying to save some money and recycle some tapes uh, you know, because we'd go through those cassette tapes, they'd go through them 10 or 20 times, but they were the raw tapes shot from uh, Rajneesh Purim. Oh, and, and, you know, ah, so there, the there was, a, there there was, was a, a whole room. Yeah, there was a whole shelf, you know, whole thing for all those things because they were history. And, you know, what are those tapes? Let's get those back in the cycle. And, you know, I think people fought like crazy. So you cannot get rid of that. Oh, gee. <laughs> and then the fear is that the oxide will start going off of them. And they will, they will eventually crumble. You need to dub them to another, keep up with technology and all that type of stuff. So, Yeah, um, I remember late at my time at Channel 8, they hired somebody. I think they worked for about a year. And they all that guy did was go through all these file tapes and pull stuff out and save it digitally. So it doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, and, and even then they say there's, you know, it's it's got to be watched over and protected. So Yes, it does. As should all your work, my friend, it should be watched over and protected and shown to people for many, many years to come. Uh, I, I, I appreciated working uh, with you, I guess, in that same market and keeping an eye on all the great stuff you did. Uh, I, I know you're a modest man, but uh, the work that you did for our state and our city is uh, historically valuable. And as I said before, um, when I told people 
how did I learn to write TV news stories? I said I watched Ray Summers and some other folks. So oh, that's that's very nice. Very I, nice I, of you to say. Well, I, the nice thing was the station allowed us to put together a compilation every six months. Yeah. And 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 of course this their purpose was to give everybody a holiday when it ran. So, yeah. And, and but but for me it was a. Uh, Hey, you're archiving. <laughs> I can I can put the ones I like the best in there, and and uh, it's it's amazing. You go back and you look and you say, oh, that was my favorite. Steve Goss and I, or not Steve Goss, but Dean Barron and I dropped in on a every Friday night down by Falls City at a at a Grange Hall, which had been a school at one time, but a Grange Hall dropped in on a. They have a they have a a uh, anybody can come with their instruments and oh, yeah. they can play. They play and dance. And so we went, we showed up there on a Friday night and they welcomed us and we did a story. And it just, Dean Barron did such a wonderful job with the music. And, and, and we ended up with them singing, singing, uh, Good night, Irene. Good night, Irene. Is that the one? Good anyway, night, Yeah, that one. They ended up with it in which everybody was singing and then they, they cut it down until it was just two. And then they ended up, you know, dropping it off. And it just, he tied it together so beautiful music. I still, I sit and I say, wow, that was a good job, right? <laughs> and I know, sir, how it ended. And it's the only way it should end with these words. Ray Summers at large. I don't know that we, we even used those uh, on there. I think we had a, a nighttime shot of some cars going off into the distance, you know, <laughs> with, the, with the music trailing out. But uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah, it was nice having the standard... Ray Summers at Large with Dean Bear and Ray Summers at Large with Dale Burkles. I always like to throw the photographer's name in. We had a news director at the end, which is probably why I quit. He, kept <laughs> telling, he, came, he came in and he told people that we don't want to do features. They don't bring people in anymore. So I knew my days were limited. And uh, then he told me, don't, don't use the photographer's name on there. And I thought, you don't realize these guys are deserve it. So whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I, I learned, I, I heard that a lot too, uh, uh, but I, I, what I learned was that a, a good feature story, while it's, you know, it's not going to knock the toes off of the hard-hitting investigative journalism, it's the best, it's the teasable, it's the most teasable story. And so if you want your audience to stick around after they've watched the investigative stuff at the head of the newscast, and you say, Ray Summers is going to show you this, People stick around for that, so there's there was value in it. I just yeah. think it took people a while to figure it out. Well, yeah, and it leaves people realization realization that uh, it's not the end of the world after all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there are good people out there. Ray, thanks for taking the time. Uh, it's been lovely to chat with you, and so nice to hook back up. So I hope you stay healthy and well, and continue telling stories in that great mind of yours for a long, long time. Thank you, Carl. 